It's time for security now. Hey, Steve Gibson's here in studio with Woo-hoo. me. It's going to make a lot of fun as we go through all of the bad stuff that happened in 2014. And uh, Steve will uh, tell us what we should do to make 2014 a better year. Stay tuned. Security Now is next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 488, recorded December 30th, 2014. The insecurity of 2014. It's time for Security Now, and uh, this is a little disorienting to me because normally Steve Gibson... That's my hand on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> he can't touch me, uh, but this time he can. He's actually uh, up visiting because we're going to do our New Year's Eve party tomorrow. And you Steve betcha. wanted to actually... Is it tomorrow? Yeah, it's tomorrow. Barely. Starts for you at 4 a.m.? Starts in 12 hours, uh, 13 hours. Yeah. Yikes. And I'm so, showing <clears> up at 6 for breakfast. You're going to make breakfast? Last well, year you made I'm coffee. I'm just co- eating it? I can make coffee. I'm, I've am i got, you know, I've got coffee nailed. Breakfast, uh, not so it's, much. It's so great. I'm trying to think. We've only done a handful of security nows in studio. We did a couple. Uh, you've been in, in my office, I know, once. A couple times. Uh, and then in Toronto, we did it a few times. Oh, well, that's where we began all this. Right. Yeah. So uh, when oh, I would. In hotels, remember? We would, we, we'd. Um, well, when I'd be coming up, we would do a recording the night before. I remember doing one at the Drake Hotel in my room with Amber was there, I think. I was lying on the ground. Maybe that was another time. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't security now. I remember now. wandering around Toronto. <laughs> and and one we did on the roof yep. of the Drake Hotel. Yep. And wow. I used to bring up the Heil mics and we'd set up a whole little like did you really? mini studio. You had wow. a recorder. Wow. Yeah. With well, an SD card. It's not. It's so nice to have you in studio. Steve and I have known each other for probably fifteen years. Yeah, and uh, share a love of good cabernets and an interest in security. And each week we talk about security. This is a live show. We did it last week. We did an interesting. Uh, we always do a holiday special, right? And we used your uh, lecture on a squirrel, right? Which I gave in Las Vegas uh, on November seventh. Uh, Digicert hosted. Uh, a security summit, their first security summit, which they just did a great job with. Really interesting stuff. And uh, so our, um, lis- our our podcast watchers and listeners had they've, a chance. They've known about Squirrel for a while, but this was really finally hearing the Yes, details. and I did say two weeks ago that I would be demoing it today. <clears throat> Anyone who can see the screens knows that I'm not demoing it today. Why not? Um, I actually have it running. It is working but not public. Okay. Because uh, when I, I I got the implementation finished, and I'm a big believer, which is why I generally take my time, that first impressions yeah. matter. Yeah. And there are a co- when I saw it running, I realized, oh, there are a couple things that I don't, I'm not exactly comfortable with the way it works. And so it's like, hey, there's no hurry. I mean, it's all I've no done for a year. Yeah. This is what I've been on yeah. for a year. And, and for those who just kind of the, the, the elevator pitch on this is it's an authentication, a website login process that involves not does not involve passwords. I think what we will show, what we will see is it is a practical, and that's the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a practical replacement 
for usernames and passwords. Love it. It can live alongside them. And, in fact, that's one of the things that delayed me was I initially had just – my demo was just using Squirrel to log in to sort of – I sort of like created a fake login-ness on GRC because nothing else on GRC logs in. And then I thought, wait a minute. People are going to say, well, that's fine, but, you know, how's that ever going to get adopted? So what I needed was to duplicate a normal login session that you'd have like on Amazon where you still have username and password or squirrel. Or squirrel. Yes. And so what I've, what I've done is I re-implemented that and I have now you can log in with the username and password. You can log in. Just with Squirrel, you can log in. You, you could initially have a username and password account like everyone does now. Associate your Squirrel identity with it, then remove your username, so that so you're able to sort of like like straddle over into a Squirrel only authentication. And when you, you when you remove your username and password, then there's nothing for the website to steal. This is clearly an idea whose time has come. Passwords are really oh. frustrating. They're driving people crazy. They're a security flaw in some cases. Uh, there's certainly an annoyance in all cases. We did an interview yesterday on uh, triangulation with a New York Times reporter, Ian Urbina, who did a really great piece in November on the secret life of passwords and how people come up with their kind of standard password. And it was fascinating. But one of the things he said at the end, and I think this is true, is that he hopes that our kids will not be using passwords. That this is a brief, you didn't, our grandparents didn't have passwords and our kids won't have, but this is a brief period of time when passwords, everybody had have passwords and we pretty clearly see how bad they are. Well, and it's interesting too, because it's a place where there's been no innovation. Remember the way this all began back on mainframes where you'd have some Hazeltine terminal that's what that's the that's how way you log in you, you would log yeah, in yeah and so then we went to unix and we got networks and that same you know who are you and prove it model we're still with now decades right. later so there's just been no and it, there's been no progress key to your success with squirrel will be getting websites to adopt it yes and that's why one one of the one of the cool things about this is that there is to for a website to adopt it it's one api call all you do is you need to verify the signature of the, the the signature that the site sent you just needs to be checked so uh and in fact i just got an email from someone who's got it completely running in drupal like nails nice. and nice. there there are php implementations uh it's it's now available in a uh, um, in uh, the Android store, and there's one on for iOS on the way. So, so first up, obviously, we need clients. Where oh, where, interesting. Where, so I'd have to have an app on my phone. Yes, yeah, and um, you can use the the app on your phone to take a to take a picture of the QR code, and then it authenticates sort of like behind the scenes. The neat thing about this is when you see it actually work, it's like, wait. <laughs> that's all? That's it? That's all I have I mean, to do? I'm, it's I'm, like I, Apple Pay. I'm done? Yeah, well, yeah. Exactly. It's so, very similar. So, so yeah. my belief is there are sites where there is a low tolerance for logging in, like blogging. How many times have we read someone's blog right. and thought, oh, I'd like to make a comment. Yeah, but I don't want to have to log exactly. in. Exactly. And then they want to make you create an account. Right. So, so – 
those sites... Or they use social logins like Google and Facebook, and we're giving information out of Google and Facebook. Right, and exactly. Yeah. So this allows you to, to create an identity on, sort of on the fly with zero pressure. And I think once people see that, they'll start saying, hey, I'd like to have that elsewhere. I think that's the key. Once users adopt, then the sites we're going to have. And as to you up. said, now is the time. There's so at, we had a host dinner last night, which was a lot of fun. I posted pictures on huh. uh, on my Flickr page, Leoville, and on uh, uh, my Facebook. But it was so much fun. And of course, I'm standing next to Steve as people come in, and everybody said to you, "So, did North Korea do it?" <laughs> that is the, was the that was a question of the night. So, so did North Korea do it? Okay, so um, what we're going to do since I I'm not demoing Squirrel quite yet a, a week or two okay um is i want to i want to and here we are the last next to the last day new year's eve eve mm-hmm. i want to do sort of a walk back through what happened ah. in 2014 right. because boy i mean talk about a crazy year um was this is this in, in, in the worst year for hacking i think it is i think it might be. i think we mean there's never been anything as as devastating as the sony hack that just happened and here the at the Target end. and the Home Depot and you can go on and on. Yes, yeah. lots of breaches. I think. I mean, the year of the breach. It was. It was a. It was a bad. It was a bad year. And what's interesting is, those of us who are as close to this as as you and I are have sort of been expecting this. It's sort of like the way viruses have been around forever, and they could have been a lot more evil than they turned out to be. When we sort of never really understood, well, these viruses could be wiping out people's computers. Yeah, in the it, originally it was vandalism; right. they would deface a website or put a funny thing on your computer that you couldn't get rid of. Then it became putting uh, stuff on your computer that would make the bad guy money. Things like spam reflectors, right. or DDoS machines, or but taking then, over your machine in order to use it as a yeah as, as to a, co-opt it to right. add it to a bot army. Right. But then with CryptoLocker, and I guess this was this was the year of CryptoLocker, yeah. it suddenly really did become an issue, it, I, a, a real expense. Right. Because you couldn't unlock your data unless you paid them. What I think we're really seeing is, as they say, the chickens coming home to roost. Mm. Th- this is – these are problems which – that are latent in our architectures – and I mean, th- there are there are obscure things like SSL bugs, and and we'll we'll talk about those here in a minute. But there are also like like just larger problems, like the problem of securing something the size of Sony Entertainment. Right. It's just it you can't. You know, right. I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, you said to me, "What would you do, Steve?" And I said, "I couldn't secure something that size that has humans involved like that. <laughs> I, I couldn't." Anyway, that's the problem. Humans are the problem. So. We're gonna so so this is the insecurity of 2014. Uh, we'll and then I but I also want to catch up on because it's been a busy two weeks. You know we talked two weeks ago and oh my lord stuff has happened. So um, so the the we know that that during his last press conference of the year, Barack stood up in front of the world and said that North Korea hacked Sony and he he wished. That Sony had called him prior to making the decision not to air the movie. Now, having seen the first twenty minutes, which is all I could tolerate, <laughs> you downloaded it, or did you? Yeah. Um, Jenny really wanted to sort of thumb her nose at North Korea. Yes, and so <clears throat> I paid six dollars. We should. Uh, I think at this point it would be prudent to point out. 
that buying or seeing the movie in no way is a striking a blow for freedom. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> no. no. Just so you don't and have really, to. It's, I'm so embarrassed now <laughs> that... Oh, they're, 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 you'll know... Is that bad? If it is beyond yeah. bad. I mean, it is so adolescent that... I mean, and, and comedy... You've not seen a James Franco, Seth Rogen movie before. You haven't seen Pineapple Express, or the, This is the End of the World. Or, you've not seen these movies, so no. you didn't really know what to expect. No. Those of us... Who have seen them? Maybe you're a little more inoculated than you were. How old is your son? He's twenty. He loves this stuff. 20. Oh, he's way too old for this. <laughs> it's no. like twelve-year-old humor. Yeah, it is yeah. potty humor. Yeah. I mean, not, and not just a minute of it, but yeah. four minutes, endless minutes, endless. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, so the consensus among security experts is that. Okay, getting back to the topic, we're having a ball. This is great. <laughs> uh, the consensus among security experts yeah. is. That the evidence for North Korea being behind the hack is weak and weakening. That is, I mean, and, and yes, it's, it's hard to understand how the president of the United States could assert that the FBI has asserted to him that they have sufficient evidence to draw the conclusion, oh, but they're not going to share it all with us, um, if it weren't true. But for example... Well, that's that's the. I mean, it's it, both Bruce Schneier and you're going to talk about Mark Rogers of Cloudflare yeah. have a have kind of said that what we know isn't conclusive, but but we, but the FBI and the president also said there is information we cannot reveal, presumably yes. signals intelligence or maybe even pure espionage intelligence that rev, that revealing that information would reveal its source and thereby make the source useless. Ah. So th the presumption is. That for them to be so unequivocal, maybe there must there must be something a signals or some something that 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 that's conclusive. Yeah, because it would it would be really bad if 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 it came out that they we, were. We happen to be able to tap into you know Kim Il Jong Un's phone or something. Yeah, right. Or yeah, ex exactly. Which we probably are. Uh, and he probably said, "Oh, wasn't that funny when we hacked Sony?" But maybe not. And this is the thing: we live in an era after. Uh, Many uh, attacks on our cred on credibility in the federal government. We live in an era where nobody believes the federal government. Right. With, you know, we no nobody is. Maybe if if Dwight Eisenhower had said, "No, trust me, we know they did it," we'd believe it. But nowadays, nobody believes it. It's, um, it's just not enough to assert. Well, we have information. It's just like saying we know about WMDs in 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 Iraq. It's so, just not credible. Mark Rogers. Um... Ah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Go ahead. We'll just edit that out. Um, Mark, Mark Rogers, uh, knowing... Who, this is the Cloudflare who, guy, right? He's, he's chief security researcher for Cloudflare. Chief security guy for Cloudflare. Yep. He, he's also in he, head of security for DEF CON. He runs DEF CON. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, knows his stuff. So, he points out that so some of the evidence that we were given is the, were the IP addresses that were used. Well, it turns out they're public proxies. Everybody uses them. They're well-known ways of bouncing your traffic through another, another server in order specifically to throw someone off the scent. Right. So, they're in the U.S., they're in Thailand, they're in Italy, they're in Poland. They're Bol all over the world. Yeah, Bolivia, Singapore. So that, the, the use of those is not in any way conclusive. And in fact, this does kind of make people think, well, maybe the FBI doesn't know what the hell it's talking about, that they would cite this as evidence. Yeah, I think it's just always it's always difficult for someone to say, "Oh, I know it," 
but I can't tell you how. Yeah. It, you know, and the evidence that they provided was really be- not conclusive. Right. So, so Mark observed what has what others have observed, which uh, which is, for example, first of all, uh, is the fact that the attackers only brought up the anti North Korean bias of the interview after the media did. It was right. never part of their original presentation. W- weren't the first communications they had a uh, uh, request for money from Sony? Yes. Yeah, like the day before or two days before the first the first drop of data, they said, pay us. Now, it was always in fragmentary English. I remember seeing the wording of that. And they didn't even give a dollar amount, or at least it wasn't disclosed. So I, I don't know whether, in fact, they did. But it seemed like just simple extortion from somebody on the inside. Now, I might mention that if you are the North Korean government and you're going to perpetrate some cyber warfare scheme that it would be smart to obfuscate it with oddball requests and poor english well yes and of course the flip side argument works too and that is wouldn't the hackers love the love the the cover story of it being north korea because because we're not going to attack north korea right well or if we do we're not going to talk about how and when and what our methods are and It'll so be forth. a proportionate but the idea is, is is it deflects it deflects the fbi apparently from right. the trail given right. that they really believe that also he he noted mark noted that the hackers dumped the data and he asks um in, in his daily beast story would a state with a keen understanding of the power of propaganda such as northern korea north korea have has um be so willing to just throw away such a trove of information he said the mass dump suggests that whoever did this, their primary motivation was to embarrass Sony Pictures. Um, Mission so, accomplished. By well, the way. yeah. And his theory is the again the Occam's razor argument. Right. What is the simplest explanation? The simplest explanation is an an annoyed employee at Sony, somebody who was on the inside, who who had this kind of access. Um, was able to put this together. And there is actually evidence that they had inside information. Server names and passwords were hard-coded into the malware. So that would be information only known by somebody inside Sony. Well, or somebody, you know, the the APT, the Advanced Persistent Threat Model that we're now having to grapple with is where somebody gets into your network, burrows in, and now sits and watches right. for some length of time. And in fact, there's evidence that that had happened, that in March, Sony was compromised it, right. and ignored it. Right, exactly, months before. Right. So maybe somebody was there. Now, if you had that kind of presence in the network, they could get, gather data for six months. And write a, some specific code Ex- to take advantage of that information. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, so that's, that's unconclusive as well. And, and so I think one of the things, one of the things that, and, and we've talked about this, and, and we've seen me, I was like, late to the party to believe about Stuxnet being right, right. like what it was. Right. I'm I'm willing to say, eh, I don't know. I, yeah. can, I don't have the yeah. answer. Um, okay, but the thing that comes up when I when we say all this, and I agree with you, I, I, it didn't smell right, but I don't understand what's in it for the president and the FBI in asserting. I mean, this is, you know, uh, for a, 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 na- a nation to assert that another nation has attacked it uh, over the Internet is a fairly significant thing. Well, attacked one of our companies, though. Okay, and a, and a so, Japanese company so, and, and to, that to boot. Of, right. But that's a fairly strong thing to say. What's in it for them? Why would they assert that if the evidence wasn't conclusive? What would I, their 
I think just political pressure to have an answer. We're supposed to be able to know. We should know. Yeah. I the mean, imagine risk, him though, standing up there and saying, well, I don't know. But the – well, or you, there are ways to catch it. It wouldn't be prudent to talk about this yet where yeah, the investigation true. is ongoing. And besides, I'm on my way to – And I got to get out of here. So thanks. <laughs> See ya. But also the issue is if it does if, – if evidence does surface that it wasn't, that's mm. embar- highly embarrassing. Right. So it's a it is a it's a dumb thing to assert that oh we know it was North Korea unless it seems to me that they knew it was North Korea. So this is why I'm puzzled. Yeah. You know what's the truth? We will ne- we probably will likely never know. I don't think happened. we will. I, I and and that's one of the problems with network based attacks. Unlike physical world attacks where you leave some blood because you cut yourself on the jagged edge of right. the glass when you went through There's the window evidence. or yeah. fingerprints or you know skin flakes or whatever. Electronic attacks don't have any of that. And and one thing that you learn in security is that attribution is always very difficult because of these proxies, because of log erasures and things like that. Yeah, and all of the things that we're used to now being standard mechanisms in movies like, you know, I mean, they're a little (laughs) overdone. Well, they bounced around the world seven times, Captain. But they did. And in fact, we even know the proxies they used. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So – in fact, it, it, in the past, when when hackers have been prosecuted, almost always it's because they Talked. boasted, right? Yes. So it's it seems unlike if if the if whoever did this is smart and just shuts up. Ooh, and you don't want you don't want the hammer to come down. <laughs> it on goes you. away. <laughs> not on this one. Um, that we probably not know. I, what I think we have to expect that we really won't have an answer. And unfor- and I'm kind of saddened by the assertion from the United States government that it was North Korea because now they're incented not to release any further information. Like, case closed because anything they release could actually undermine their There's case. There's another obligation now, and that is response. Because the State Department has said, well, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do or you really won't know when, but we will respond proportionally. I mean, Barack did say. I think, though, that that was, that was more to say we're not going to bomb them. That was, right. And he was right. very careful, and I think this is the no right thing to do, clouds. say this is not a terrorist act. Right. Don't want to use the T well, word. What he called it? He called it uh, vandalism. Vandalism. Uh, and, and, and I think when he said proportionate, he didn't mean we're going to respond strongly. I think he meant to say oh. we're not going to bomb them. I hope that would be was, disproportionate. I hope this was not our denial of service attack. Was, by it, the way, what, was that the response? Because well, on December 22nd, uh, North Korea went offline. Yeah, as shortly after Barack's uh, last press conference of the year, um, as he heads off to, to for a Christmas vacation, that Friday evening, connectivity to North Korea started getting flaky. Yeah. And it sort of slowly degraded yeah. over the course of the weekend mm-hmm. until Monday morning, it was pretty much gone. Right Now, if that's a... Like a denial of service attack that the U.S. mounts, we could do better. They need to call me. <laughs> um, how much internet does the? How much internet does North Korea have? They don't have much, right? Oh my God! And it all goes through China it's, Unicom. Most city blocks in New York have more IP addresses than North Korea. Wow! Than the entire country. North Korea has officially one thousand and twenty-four IP addresses. <laughs> they have ten, that's ten, it. Ten bits of IP space, and it all goes through China. Yes. And so that's actually one argument for us not having attacked North Korea because that our if that was 
our attack would have been carried by China's telecom services. By the way, I don't think that's something we would want to do. Precisely. Uh, so it sounds like, and it does the way the sputtering and the and it's getting stronger. It sounds I, like uh, I, just some kids, uncoordinated, kitty. uncoordinated. Like, oh, let's get them back. Yeah. You know. And on the other hand, even that. I mean, DDoS is these days knock trivial, knock gigabits. It wasn't even a good DDoS. It wasn't. It was hard to uh, un, you know to explain it. So. Anyway, so <laughs> it's like somebody in the chat room said it's like DDoSing my apartment building. <laughs> it's not, not so hard to uh, accomplish. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so so also there was something that went on with North Korea, and we don't know what that was either, but it sure was not impressive. Yeah. I saw charts of the of the outages, and it would kind of come and go, and then kind of go more, then come back, and then go more even. And it was just like, what? I get the distinct impression that the government made the announcement about North Korea right before Christmas and the holidays and is just hoping everybody will forget about it. A perfect example. By the new year. Is, as we know, on Christmas Day, Eve and Day, yeah. Xbox Live. They were brought down and PlayStation by Lizard Network. Squad. Well, okay. <laughs> so who the there, hell are there they? are serious, <laughs> strong yeah. networks taken off. So if Lizard Squad aimed themselves at North Korea... There'd just be a, it'd be dust over there, right? There was now. an interview um, with uh, Lizard Squad. In fact, they showed one of the guys. <laughs> like, Apparently, again, thinking? this is how you get caught, folks. You, you wow. know, uh, actually, we shouldn't say anything. It's a good idea. You know, you should give an interview when you hack something. Let the world yes, know do. what you've done. That's right. But in this case, uh, uh, you saw a picture of the guy, and he said, "You know, we just did it for fun." Yeah. And he said, "You should go out and get some fresh air." What if you what if you shouldn't be playing games on Christmas anyway? And then they sort of they they like again sort of because they didn't really know why they were doing it. They changed their story and they said, "Oh, we're trying to teach oh, Microsoft please. and Sony a lesson. We want them to improve their security." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that a DDoS isn't about security. Right. And I don't. I thought, well, do you not know the right oh, word? It's you know? BS. Yeah. It's just BS. And so and, and get this, they're, they're the way they finally kitties. stopped yeah. was that Kim dot com, uh, Kim dot com. Yeah. Gave them vouchers here for have, his have mega some free storage. Service. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, "Oh, thank oh, you." Thanks. We'll they tweeted, that. "I thank you and we'll stop now." Morons. I'm I'm just really. They say in the interview they could take down Nasdaq if they wanted to. Right. The uh, but that's not over the counter stock exchange. Yeah. They don't want but, to do uh, we just we're we just like we're having some fun. Um but I that is scary. it is scary that these things these people exist. And they have the ability to do something like that. That really is so damaging to so many people. I, um, it feels and wrong. it's not going to get better. The the what we have to understand is that this is old technology. This is a you know a sin flood. Where is that? How they did it? Where you've been sin flooded? You oh actually my goodness. And this was five years ago, right? Yeah, I used to just it's like okay, here we go again. You know, and, and and it's hard to block. The only way to really prevent it is add bandwidth, right? Because you you can't have a public website that ignores sin requests, right? You need a a monster proxy like Cloudflare. That's you know one That's of the services. Do. Cloud Cloudflare sits in front of your website and is able to to terminate the connections so that a sin right. comes in 
and they'll send back the SYNAC. Your server doesn't see it until the connection is completed. And then, and then passes it along. Yes, and they're also a caching proxy. So your your site, even when, when there's a big load, sees much o- only one request, right. and then they store it locally. It's very hard and not economically feasible to design a server that has enough bandwidth to handle all of these requests. It's not even the server, because if the pipe... The to pipe, the pipe, right. pipe to the server. If that congests, right. then your then your server. You don't even starts. see these sins. Yeah, I mean, I just had a couple T ones right. back then, and it was like it was trivial to so, knock me off. The so, uh, and and of course now with amplification attacks using NNTP and other technologies, it's possible for a single person to uh, True. get enough bandwidth to attack all, even the fattest pipe. True. So, all of any denial of service attack is a violation of the underlying protocol. That is, no one should be sending out SIN packets over and over and over. Basically, it's knocking on the door of the website and not caring what happens. The website has to respond because it doesn't know if it's legitimate or not. Well, and, and what's interesting is that there is a network somewhere that is allowing those out. Outbound sins. Yes, the egress filtering right. is is really what we need. We've said this before, that if ISPs were all responsible, yep. this wouldn't be a problem. Right, and notice that these are spoofed sins. So the sins that are going out carry an, an IP address. That doesn't match the ISP. Exactly. Yeah. And so they could say, hmm. don't allow any packets out that aren't from our from, network. From our network. And it would stop it immediately. Yeah. So, so what, I think unfortunately this is going to have to get bad enough that isn't it bad enough yet? <laughs> it's just it's, it's nobody sort of, could play Xbox or PlayStation games on Christmas Day. You know the analogy that occurs to me is like the the crumbling U.S. infrastructure. We have like sinkholes in L.A. with huge right. floods when a pipe breaks. Right. And it's like oh my god, and so we fix the pipe, <laughs> and then it happens over you know down the street. Oh my god, and we fix that one. And so no one fixes the infrastructure. We just keep patching the problems. And unfortunately, this is like that. It's spotty. It's I don't know if it's ever going to get bad enough. So we we talked before about the amplification attack using the time server. And yes. And, yep. Is that what Apple patched? Do you know? No, they didn't. Um, it wasn't well, NTP flaw. The DHS, actually, Department of Homeland Security, yes, put out a bullet. Yes, on. it was. Okay, and it was bad. And that was why, the for the first time ever, Apple forced an update their auto patch yes normally, they put that technology in two years ago but they've have yet u- to use it actually they they've, they, they use they've it used it for some malware oh, okay. some malware signatures right i they, remember that they yeah they have pushed yeah. out that way yeah. where it just does it. it doesn't you don't have to ask for it or okay right. or approve right. it or anything because um this is a remote code execution buffer overflow oh. in a service which is running by default. The time protocol. Oh, baby! I mean, that's that that string of words I just said is the worst. Scary. Is the worst there is. So you're saying every Mac has an NTP daemon running yes. at all times. Yes. And that this NPD NP, NTP daemon could be overflowed, which means malicious code. Did they did they actually have a malicious code exploit, or is no, it just it was no, a crash? It, is, it has not been seen in the wild. Okay. So it, it they the people looking at the code went. Holy crap. Uh, we have to... Pa- I mean, this was like one of those bad see, events. You find the overflow, and then the hackers start working to see how they can jump to and an area of memory. There's and no doubt they're trying to do it Eventually, they would be able well, to execute Because, for example... Code. Okay, so an, an NTP server, network time protocol, 
you're able to ask it what the time is. Right. And that's how your clock gets set on your Mac and Windows machine. Exactly. And it's got technology where it asks like the U.S. Naval right. Research Center right. somewhere yeah. or something in Utah. It asks uh, NIST or WWV in uh, Fort Collins. Exactly. Right? Fort Collins, yeah. Colorado. Um, so the problem is many people offer it as a service. They say, oh, yeah. I have an NTP server. Right. I'm going to – if anyone wants to know the time, why not tell them? Right. Well, and that's where these reflection attacks come from is you ask – a tiny request goes in and a big response <laughs> comes out. So you spoof the IP of the request saying that over there he asked yeah. me. And so the, the, yeah. the big Xbox answer – Xbox Live wants to know what time it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The big answer goes there. Now, here's the problem. That server has a vulnerability so that if you ask with a specially crafted packet, that open, exposed, public responding NTP daemon, you, you can take it over. Right. And it's typically running as root. You get the, you right. get the privileges of the daemon, right. and it generally runs as root. So this is a remote code exploit on all network time protocol servers on the Internet. All of them are vulnerable before, what did I say, 4.2.8. So they patched it in 4.2.8. Now, remember, though, don't before everyone panics, you have to be exposed to the public Internet. If you have a router, you're not vulnerable. You're not vulnerable. Now, on an intranet, you would still be vulnerable. So if somebody got into your network they and you had an NTP server running like Sony, they got into Sony, and Sony had a server protected from the outside but running NTP, you could, from within the network, use it oh, wow. to gain root access. To all the machines in the network? Well, to that server. Oh, that server. You, okay. you could run your own code on that server. Got it. So, so all of us behind home routers, even us, those of us who are behind firewalls that don't open a port for NTP access. Mm, mm -hmm. I think it's port 123. I'm just, that's really from old memory. I don't remember now what an NTP protocol is, but I think it's like... I could tell you. I'm going to look it up right now. So, for instance, here uh, we have a network, but we're running behind a Starro uh, firewall. Yeah. Presumably, it's going to block Presumably, that Presumably, kind of... you're not offering time services no. to the internet. Why <laughs> would you be? I'm not. Yeah. Um, you know. Wow. So that patch, that's kind of cool that Apple could do that. Do yes. you know, uh, has, has Microsoft patched it on uh, Windows? No, is it an I'm, issue on Windows? I, I, it, no, because this just happened. Right. Um, and Microsoft, you know, is going to stick to their... They don't have a, uh, a the same mechanism, do they, for just... I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to fix. Um, good question. Hmm. They may and it may know, not be publicized. I think they always ask you... Um, they do like give bonuses sometimes, like you know, it, it, extra crypto suites. It's a good thing though for a true emergency. The problem is sometimes these patches break things. Well, and so I think the problem is that apparently Macs are publishing NTP, but Windows doesn't. Oh, interesting. You know, yeah, so Windows right. and again, so it's not an issue behind a router. Your service port you're is one two three. The chat room ah, confirms one two three, and so does the IETF. Um, okay, fixed. And you can use UDP or TCP. So either protocol. How much did the Kim.com give them in vouchers? Just out of curiosity. Didn't see. But I just, I, I, I saw. Here's 10 I saw bucks in free storage. Lizards. Would you knock it off, lizards? Quite okay, okay. Boy, they were just flattered. It's like, oh, okay. And they, they tweeted a thank you from Lizard Squad's Twitter account. They said, hey, we got, you know, we got. I'm not sure which is worse, that there are people out there with who have such moral flaw 
that they will they don't kind of connect the suffering they're causing with the fun, the lulls they're having, or that it's even possible to do this because this stuff is so janky. It's all bad. And it's the fact that you do have anonymity to a large degree. Right. I mean, we know that doors and windows in our homes are not actually secure. You could throw a brick through a window and then climb through it. So the, it, so it's the it's the fact that you have to physically do that and you risk being seen right. and, and all the complications. Right. That's what ups the ante for a real world attack. But you I can sh- literally be in, in in your bedroom, you know, right. on your computer launching DDoS the, attacks. No risk, really. To North Korea yeah, or very seemingly with your little five risk. bots apparently. Yeah. There's also um but there's a there's a social contract. Locking your door doesn't really prevent somebody from kicking it in or going around no. the back but it's a signal right and uh and and it's a social contract we all kind of just adhere to and and this is somehow missing in some certain people of course there is of course yeah. there is. now here's some good news i was very pleased the edward snowden leaks continue on we are now in year two <laughs> snowden year two uh and this is the good news there's stuff the NSA doesn't like, or yes. at least as of 2012, yeah. couldn't um, break. In, in a, a Der Spiegel carried a story showing um, some recent documents. They analyzed them. And what we learned was interesting. The NSA ranks the prop. Well, okay. The, first of all, the NSA, get this, calls encryption yeah. a threat. Yes. It's a threat. It's not yes. security. It's a threat. So, Okay. So they have a scale, a ranking system yeah. of how bad is the threat. So trivial is obviously one. That means on we can scale. crack it. We can read it. It doesn't get in our way well, at all. And they give the example of monitoring a document's path through the Internet. No problem. It's like, okay, Easy we know, peasy. That's trivial. Right. Okay. Trivial is number one. Minor. Yeah. Uh. A minor threat yeah. is like um, – Recording Facebook chat. Oh, that's not as easy, huh? Not so easy. Yeah, you got to actually get up off your chair and go push a button somewhere (laughs) to do that. Okay. Okay, number three, moderate. Moderate. A moderate threat is, for example, decrypting emails uh, sent through Moscow's uh, internet uh, mail.ru service. So it's uh, you know they're they're trying to encrypt it, but that's a moderate problem. Mm-hmm. It doesn't slow them down, but they may have to call someone. Right. You know, like you know, in the in the hey, next, Ivan, yeah, would you flip the, the switch over in there in the, the building? Yeah. Okay. So then, the last two are major um, and catastrophic. <laughs> now again, for us, catastrophic is good. Yes. For them, it's bad. It's a for catastrophic us, it's good. threat. That and means so, we're secure. Okay. So major are all the things they basically can't handle. Yeah. Uh, uh, and like you know, in the documents, TrueCrypt, they they nothing they can do about TrueCrypt. They can't do it. Oh, They're good. hoping the guy used a weak password because, as we know, that's the only yeah. way to crack TrueCrypt. Um, OTR, the off the record protocol, that the the real time chat protocol, well designed, strong crypto, and unfortunately, it is a major threat. I hope it would be catastrophic. It's a major threat. <laughs> no, no. It's catastrophic if you go through Tor and use off the oh, record. Oh, then we're really screwed. When you mix them up, when you, when you do it. more than one at once. But didn't we learn that they have uh, they have kind of infiltrated Tor to a great extent? Well, on my list, I can't. Keep, I keep trying to get to it, but the world won't let us, is <laughs> we're, we're going to do— Someday we're going to talk about it. Soon, Detour— 
uh, is the the title I've had. I keep pushing it down in my in my, in my things I want to get yeah. to, because it turns out that there is it's less anonymous than we were hoping. Right. That is, and we sort of suspect because the endpoints we talked have about been it, the exit co-opted. nodes. Yeah. You know, and if you if you analyze the traffic well enough, that mm-hmm. okay. So so what the professor said was who analyzed this a sufficiently well motivated entity the NSA. could de- de-anonymize about 80% of the tour traffic. Okay. So that's, that's not what anyone wants. Yeah. But OTR is good. Yep. Um it's interesting they mentioned Zoho. <laughs> I don't know why. Zoho is a free office or web-based office solution. It must have good crypto. That has cri- encrypted email. Oh, and I forgot to say that Skype I hope the NSA is enjoying this podcast. Um, really? Which oh, actually, you're not on Skype, dude. That's right. I just realized that. <laughs> so jo- that, that, so that Skype was which? Today. Trivial, minor, moderate? Where was Skype on that scale? Uh, trivial. Because, trivial. Because they have a um, back door. Well, yes. Microsoft engineered eavesdropping yeah. into it in February of 2011. Oh, thank you, Microsoft. And, and there, 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 there's a FISC, FISA something court doc, um, like, like request, like that is just sitting there that allows them to now break into any Skype it, calls they Probably want. in Microsoft's defense, I, they probably don't have a choice, right? Yeah, if, a, if you get a FISA court or a national security letter. It's a, that's a, as far as we understand, it's a blanket eavesdropping capability. And that's what the rest of the industry is still resisting. Yeah. You know, VPNs don't have it as far as we know. Um, uh, Google is not doing it. Apple, for example, encrypting the iPhone. Right. I mean, everybody else is resisting this so far. Who uses OTR? Is that uh, does Redphone use that? Does uh, Threema, I think, uses it? Um, Secure Text uses it. Is, is that? Oh, those are OTRs. There was the that web-based implementation of OTR. I'm blanking on that. It had a little bit of an implementation problem, but they fixed it. Um, so this is the uh, off the cat, record something cat. CryptoCat. Uh, CryptoCat, yeah. Used OTR. It, it uses o, uh, the okay. OTR protocol. So that's good. So look for OTR. Yes, it's a good protocol. And, and encryption. Yeah, and, I mean, and you know, they didn't mention Threema. It was not because it, it's not that this was an exhaustive list. Yeah. So, you know, Threema's uh, technology is, is solid, too. Right. So good. If you want to, but now, first of all, this is 2012. So we don't know what's happened in the intervening couple of years. Right. But there, that, to me, this felt like good news. What about VPNs? Um, completely correct. Yes. <laughs> and what we, we, we believe again now. So the, as, pro- as has SSL. Well, the problem with VPNs is, is that we know that there are, as with Tor, right. there are exit nodes. Right. There is the VPN server that you're right. terminating to. And if that's a public server, so you may not be able to get in the they tunnel, can just but set up camp right, right there, right. you know, on, I mean, cause they, we know we that know they're going to have exiting. access yeah. to the fiber. And just tap the fiber in order to Does, uh, to get to it. Perfect forward secrecy help with TLS at SSL. Um, we believe that the the problem there is the weakness in 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 TLS and SSL is the public key infrastructure because no one doesn't any longer believe anybody can have a CA. Yes, and certainly the NSA there's has no a way that the NSA yeah. is isn't trusted. I right. mean, yeah, if, if you look through the 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 array of certificate authorities that we have in our secure store now, you know, hundreds of them, and right. there's just there's no, no way that they can't have a certificate minted on demand that allows them to to um, to impersonate a website and set up a man a, 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 a you know an unseen man in the middle attack. So, 
I, the reason I interpret this as good news is the message is they are they don't have a hundred percent view of what's going on. There is some stuff that, at least as far as we know, they cannot see into. Math works. That's protect. That's what protects us. And math. we have great math. Yeah. yeah, it is implementation vulnerabilities, and it is there are some architectures which are weak. The architecture of the public key system is weak. And remember, famously, when I uh, we were doing the podcast, when I looked at the list of Hong of, Kong of, post of the certificate baby. authorities, it's like <laughs> there used to be twelve. Now there's four hundred, right. and we're trusting every single one of them. Right? Yeah. So, okay. So what I think I'm I'm sort of stepping on our our conclusion here, but it it fits right now, and that is the upshot of this first year of Snowden is. Today, as we wrapped up 2014, security has gotten better. I mean, the response to the now one-year-old Snowden leaks has been Apple saying, okay, we're going to make security a feature. And we're going to, I mean, absolutely do it. And, of course, they've been criticized by the people who consider security a threat for, like, selling security. And it's like, no, I mean – They've, they, they've been accused of, like, selling access to, you know, molesters and, and pornographers and bad people. It's like, no, we just want to allow people to have the security that they're expecting from the product. And, of course, Google is following suit. So, and, my God, you can't even count the secure messaging protocols and phone apps and, and, and you, know, you know, all of the Internet communication security that is ramped up, seeing that as a as a market opportunity in the wake of Snowden's revelations that showed us how much interest there really was yeah. in dealing with the threat yeah. of encryption. So, we're, Steve Gibson is in studio, which is really nice. Uh, he came up for uh, from his uh, Fortress of Solitude. It really does change the dynamic. Irvine. Yeah. <laughs> I actually talked to you <laughs> for one thing. Uh, and it's great because tomorrow's New Year's Eve and we're going to do the big party and you're going to be part of that. Um, but I think this is a good thing for our last Security Now of 2014 to do the chronology. Yeah. The things that happened. This yeah, year. just sort of, sort of like, look back. You know, if nothing else, it's been a fun year, but there was a lot of stuff uh, that happened. I mean, we have all new, like, vocabulary. Go to fail, heartbleed, bad USB, <laughs> shell shock, poodle. Oh, and, this was all this year. And Reagan. Oy. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a, a busy year. So, of course, as we were coming, I guess it was it was late in 2013 that the PF Chang hack happened. Yeah. It, was it was sort of in the southeast. It was Black Friday of last year, right? That the Target hack happened, right? And the PF Chang hack. And then and then we got we got early in 2014 we got more of of a sense of scale for that yeah. um, it went from what was it 11 million to 70 million something like that uh, yeah I, th- I think 70 million was the number for home depot okay and target was 40 million 40 million credit cards but 110 million customer records yes oh, yeah, yeah. yes and um, it's <laughs> only what is it 400 million people in the u.s that's like Every adult in the U.S. And it was estimated that the cost of replacing all of that, those disclosed cards was came to about $400 million. Oh, wow. And we did report a few weeks ago on the podcast oh, wow. that, a, that um, Posner, yeah. jo- our old friend Judge Posner, 
uh, has said, no, we're, we're not going to let you throw the case out. We're going to, this is going to go to trial. Yeah. We're the gonna, banks are suing uh, Target. Yes. On the, they want to recover that On cost. the argument that yeah. Target sh- did have enough information to prevent it and negligence, wow. not, you know, not some weird cyber hack, but negligence was the underlying factor here. And so we're going to test whether that flies. That will be a fun trial to watch Ooh. in 2015. We will. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to. Um, now, early in the year, we re- and we'll remember this because this was another fun thing we talked about. It w- we discovered that many consumer routers had a wide open back door way up at about half of the port space. Ports run from 1 to 65535. And right in the middle is uh, 65536. 36? No, three, no, no, three, no, no, no. I memorized this. Three, Thirty-two thousand six eight. Three two seven six four. No, well, yeah, but but eight is in the middle. Eight's in the middle. Three two seven six eight. So it was four down from the from the exact <laughs> the center of the port space. Yeah, was a port listening for connections wide open, and you and you if you set the hosts. Remember when a when a web browser makes a query, one of the things it has is the hosts header that identifies. What it is. All, all operating and systems have For this. weird apocryphal reasons, yeah. they all say Mozilla, among, among <laughs> other things, because that was the first, first browser. browser. And so yeah. even, even IE says, oh, yeah, I got some Mozilla here somewhere. <laughs> we doubt that. But um, so if you, if you reversed the, you reversed the, the phrase of the person who apparently put this in, and I can't remember what the phrase was now, but it was, anyway, the, the point is you, you, Put that in the host's header yeah. and make a web query to th- from the outside on the internet to that port. It says, oh, hiya. Uh, <laughs> what do you need? What can I do for you? And there's like 14 there's commands, command. right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like commands you can execute. Now, the is this th- like a service port? Well, the theory was that this was the way ISPs would or router manufacturers or somebody. I mean, it was undocumented. And someone just ran into it possibly it was an intel reference code we've seen that before and just got duplicated we have seen that before in the um i just almost had it and i've lost it yeah the, i the, can't remember either it wasn't was it bluetooth yeah well no it was in the uh, the baseband radios and cell phones had uh, error in code because everybody just copied yep. literally cut and paste the reference code. Yep. I think it was from Qualcomm. And it was not never, Intel, you're never supposed to use it. Right. But it's like, well, okay, this hey, works. He, they wrote it already. Why reinvent that wheel? <laughs> so I'm guessing that's probably why. Because it's not just Cisco and Linksys, which is one company. It's also Netgear. Uh, I think it's it other was, companies. it wasn't Sircom. It was everybody, it was all the routers based on one manufacturer. Oh, okay. Who had this. The chipset, probably. And, yeah. okay, so that was, um, <clears throat> that was, Right over Christmas and New Year's. You wrote a little program to test for this, didn't you? Um, There's a way to test for your router being... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can just see if it accepts a connection. So so, so you're able to use Shields Up, for example, and oh, just, okay. just see if Look it, it 32, accepts... Look at 32764. Exactly. And it's a, if, if it connects, it's like, whoops. <laughs> Hello. That's not good. <laughs> okay. So get this. So the next thing that happened was everybody updates their firmware. New firmware is issued by Cisco and Linksys yeah. and all of those. Yeah. And... Now that no, no no longer happens. Right. So we assume all is good. Right. It's not. What? We're going to come back to that here in a minute. Okay. Because the next thing that happens then is that on February 21st, 
go to fail. Oh my gosh, this was the worst. Enters the 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 world's vocabulary of yeah. of internet problems, which was a tiny like what? Well, go to fail. It was a a tiny error. One line. One in line. source code that was like and and you you could even look at it and this is why debugging code is so right. is so tricky right. is you can look at it and it seems fine it was a case statement that and, got bypassed and the and unfortunately the case statement was testing certificates yes it was a particularly <laughs> important moment in the code so and this was in iOS and OS 10 and yes yeah, so, cuz they're using a common code base which this demonstrated and what it meant was that signatures had never been tested, been checked. No, just it's forget like, that. We'd like yeah, you to sign don't. it right, but you really yeah, don't, don't bother. You know, just change a few bits here and there. <laughs> and so this has just like gone unseen. And we we assume and hope that nobody was taking advantage of it. But and so Apple, remember that Apple was a little cagey on this one. They well, pushed the, the fix out first, and then afterwards finally they admitted they it. Told yeah. us. But what was interesting was the notion that this might have been introduced by a bad actor intentionally. That if you were going to... Make it look like a mistake. Make it look like a mistake. This is exactly what you would do. And it yeah. is just that spot. Yeah. Apple was, never it, talked about that. No. And if so, it was it was clever. And, in fact, I remember a lot of people talking about that because this came from open source originally, it ought to be possible to track down... You, you have a... A log. A, a version a log, log. A change yeah. log. And you should be able to see who did it. Never heard? No. No. Just quietly buried. In fact, a lot of the stories from this year, <laughs> because we have such short memories, just disappeared. This was the year TrueCrypt bizarrely disappeared. I know. Two and months, we still don't know what happened. Two months after that, um, what is it, April, uh, mid-April, like, the TrueCrypt authors. Who like, are, you know, one morning we wake up and the, and the TrueCrypt website is gone. And it says, you better not use this because it may contain security errors and we're not going to fix it. We're, we're checking out. You had the best, I think probably the most sensible theory, which is that these guys just were uh, fed up with the open source background noise. You always get people complaining. Oh, thankless, and thankless. Thankless job. And not that they had found a flaw, but they just didn't want to be responsible anymore. Well, so they said, go use, go use BitLocker. <laughs> we'll see you later. And, and we're going to 64-bit systems. Yeah. We're, we're switching we from keep it up today. master boot records to yeah. GPTs, the GUID partition table. That would all have to change. Yeah. I mean, they would have had to put in a huge amount of work. And I think they you know, they had what they wanted. It was a singularly graceless retirement. It wasn't, yes. It wasn't very graceful. Thank but you very much for TrueCrypt all these years, but right. you could have done a better job of saying goodbye. Now, the good news is, and actually, we still haven't heard the second part of the audit, but the audit is ongoing now. Yes. Yeah? So some a third party from Johns Hopkins has raised money and his audit is actually going through the go because it is it is the code is available. It's not open source technically, but the code is available. Right. It's available source. Right. They, as they so call he, it. so he's been going through the source or somebody some team has been going through. Well, the so source. yeah, the first phase was done, and that only checked the boot technology and the getting it going part it was not a full-blown crypto review mm. so but no one has any re reason to believe that that's a problem and we know for a fact for example because we've we've covered it that the fbi is often thwarted by TrueCrypt. if the brazilian government In 2012 sent, they were sent them a drive <laughs> because they you know some right. real estate guy or right. some, some like you know had stuff on it that they were unable is to the get is to. the audit still going on 
Um, I think last so. I heard, uh, Matthew Green was Matthew Green. S- still on top of it, and it was going to proceed. So soon, I hope we'll know. Yeah, I guess this is harder than one imagines. Oh, it's it's work. Yeah. I mean, you do need money to pay people to to dig in there that much. Now, your advice at the time uh, was go ahead and continue to use TrueCrypt. In the absence of any known flaw, we, it's it's safe. You you still think that's the case? I still have it on the website, and yeah. I'm offering it, and it's downloaded often. Well, that's another point. You can't get it from the old source, but Steve has the last good version. They actually released a, a version after that that was a, a damaged version, right. intentionally damaged And, and in fact, it this demonstrated I, – I, I did an interview with someone not long ago where – he asked me how I, why I believed this was well-planned. And I said that that final iteration of TrueCrypt, I think 7.1a was the last official release. And I, I, they probably went to 7.2, yeah. or I don't, I don't remember what, what the, how they incremented the number. But the point was they neutered its ability to encrypt drives, leaving only the ability to back it out. To, de- to finally, to permanently decrypt the drive. But that change was massive. You had to go through all kinds of places in the code in order to do that. So they spent a long time preparing to say goodbye, even though we, none of us were impressed with the yeah. way they did it. The last I've seen, Matthew Green said he was going to finish the audit this year. So I don't know where well, that stands. We got to call uh, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. And uh, cuz he raised uh $60,000 to do it. Um and it he might says be taking longer, but if he's got that much harder. money. And it, he also I I I'm looking at an article from Krebs on Security at that time in in May uh was putting together a team to kind of take over the True Crypt code, but we haven't heard anything about that either. No, and I remember when there was someone who was in touch with one of the authors and I saw Matthew asking that third party yeah. to ask the authors for license privileges because Matthew was respecting the fact that this wasn't technically open source. Now, it has been forked, but those are not authorized forks right. because this wasn't forkable. They were saying, we're going to let you see our code, but it's still ours. We're not, you know, we're not wanting it to be used as a template. Now – and in fact, one of the other offshoots uh, has has um, updated TrueCrypt a little bit, just adding a bunch of features that don't really matter. There's also TrueCrypt.ch, and they're creating something very oddly named Cipher Shed. Yeah, um, I think there's a VeraCrypt also. Yeah, so there are people trying to do it, but uh, this the last post is from September, and they say we're closer to alpha, and then nothing. So yeah, I. Uh, you yourself had a, a a crypto project you were about to embark on, and then after learning about uh, these national security letters and, and the demands that the federal U.S. federal government has made to put back doors, you decided I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this. Um, was it was Posner who said I he 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 was attending a a cyber a cyber crime conference like a month ago, and he said I don't think it should be it should be legal. For cell phone manufacturers to create technology the federal government cannot access. So I still – the jury is out almost literally. Um, actually, it will be an act of Congress rather than you know a courtroom. Whether Congress could simply require that commercial entities create 
a crypto, cryptographic backdoor. Yeah. It could happen this year. It or seems, it say, seems strange that we would have a judiciary and uh, a Congress that uh, would have such uh, an abiding trust in the federal government forever. We have such historical records. of, uh, yeah. And this was, country was founded based on kind of a lack of trust in federal. And set up government. in order to create yeah. checks and balances, yeah. of course. Um, that makes me nervous. <laughs> when all so the branches then, of the federal government agree, oh, trust us. That makes me nervous. Then we had the arguably the best logo that's ever been. Heart bleed, baby. <laughs> I know where you're going with that one. The ba- Now, and that's really, we usually, learned a lesson. You, you and, see, you know, exploits don't come with ex- a logo. If it doesn't have a logo <laughs> and a catchy name, it's just hard to take it seriously. <laughs> um, yep. What was Heartbleed? Refresh my memory. Okay, so Heartbleed <laughs> was a a defect that was found in the TLS protocol because there's something called a TCP heartbeat, which allows you to sort of send a a, a heartbeat packet to sort of keep TCP alive at, at the TCP protocol level. Um, and... It turns out that there was a buffer overrun mm-hmm. in that that was found. Mm-hmm. So the idea was you could send a malformed packet to a server that had heartbeats enabled. And that's the other thing. Nobody uses them. Nobody needs them. Nobody ever needed to have them enabled, but everybody did because mm. it was enabled by default. Mm-hmm. In, in OpenSSL. So you could send a packet to this server, and it would send back a gift. 64K. Just random. Of whatever happens to Just be. whatever's in memory. Whatever's in memory. Here you go. Yeah. We don't know. Thanks for asking. Here's something. Thanks for asking in that strange way you just did. But it could include, not necessarily, but it could include things like logins and passwords. Correct. Encrypted. Correct. And so everyone ran around, like, in a craze. And then the guys at Cloudflare said, you know, this is just random crap yeah, in memory. Not We're not useful. convinced yeah. that you're ever going to have, like, the server. Wasn't there an keys. exploit, though? Wasn't there a demonstration? Well, they created a honeypot. They, they put up a server, yeah. and they said, here's a server. Yeah. Go. It's, we, we, oh, and, oh, but before they did, for, so they, they fixed up, they, they cleaned up their whole um, network of of uh, I think they use Nginx, but they were using SSL as the the security protocol, as you know everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they were aware of the problem. They shut down SS the the TLS heartbeats, which is all they had to do. Just turn that off because right. it shouldn't be on anyway. No one uses them. Right. Then they set up a honeypot because they were not sure that it was actually you could actually get credentials. From the server. And they said, here's here's a machine at this IP. Prove it. Send us a message signed by the server's private key, and then we'll believe you. Ah. They got some. Mm. That's when they said, oh, my God. This could be serious. And they replaced <laughs> their entire certificate infrastructure. Whoa. Remember, hundreds of thousands right. of certs. Because if, because heart. The heartbleed flaw doesn't leave a log. This ha- happens before logging engages. It, it's right like at the front door. If you knock funny, it just dumps out 64K of memory. 
but no, but you don't connect or do anything. Right. So you don't get into the logging system. Right. No one's logging at that level. So they realized There's no record of it. They didn't have logs. Yeah. And it was exploitable. Okay. Anybody could have exfiltrated the private keys in their architecture. It, it turned out it wasn't login and password you had to worry about. It was certificate. Keys. Yes. It was the it was the the servers private identity the server's private key and so a number of researchers security researchers jumped on the problem demonstrated that it was exploitable and then the only responsible thing that for everyone to do was to rekey you had to and that's where i got all bogged down with the uh revocation issue remember because this was the whole revocation thing where chrome's got you know a handful of certificates and suddenly here's a hundred thousand have just been revoked by by Cloudflare. Chrome can't handle that. Chrome just doesn't bother with those, and that's where I, you know, yeah, got into the whole. Well, CRL what is step the upshot thing. of all of this? Has Heartbleed bleed been fixed? There was a new Open SSL. Yes. Did everybody patch? It got fixed, and everybody patched or turned off. Turned off Heartbeats is all you really had to do. There's a, you could but, just align in the config. It, exactly it turns it off, but. We also have this now worry that maybe many security, many certs have been uh, compromised. Right. And we have basically a broken revocation system. Right. We do not today, even now, have a revocation system which functions because... So I can't, as a as a uh, website, say, hey, don't use that old certificate. It's maybe It may be... Uh, Compromised. Here's my new certificate, and that other one's not good anymore. Because doesn't work. Because a bad guy until it Might expires. Have that until it expires. Right. So, so certificates have what, like a three, a two well, or three. I could pretend year. to be Amazon with its old compromised certificate, right. and there's no way for Amazon to say, "Don't use that." Right. Because Amazon is that still the ser- case today? Yes. Amazon's serving the new one, right? But the old one, if it ever got loose, your browser won't and, know until it expires due to its own aging. Right. No word from the browser. Right. So that's never been fixed. No, mm-hmm. can't fix that. Thanks, Chrome. That's <laughs> Do other browsers handle it better? Um, um, the there is a system, the OCSP Online Certificate uh, OCSP Online Certificate Status Protocol, probably uh, uh, <laughs> acronym soup. Um, that's a system that allows the browser to query. For the real-time validity, the status of the certificate. Right. So that system exists. The problem is that if the browser doesn't hear anything, if it doesn't hear, no, it's bad, then it says, okay, fine. That's the fail soft. It may be down. Yes, exactly. Maybe a bad, having a bad day. I don't want to day. slow things down. Maybe you're in Let's North Korea on. and you have a good connection. Yeah, let's just continue. So, 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 the pro- so then what we want is we want fail hard. Right. And you could turn that on in Firefox and then – and I have it on and a lot of our listeners do because we were sort but, of curious. But it's not on by default. No, it's not because it would it could keep you from getting two sites. And oddly enough, Google is seems to be the one with the worst OCSP servers. They're unable to, to affirm the validity of their certificates in a timely fashion. And the only troubles that I see reported are, are people saying, hey, I've got OCSP hard fail enabled and – I have problems with Google sometimes. Worse than that, Imperial Violet, who works for Google, uh, said, don't Adam turn Langley. it on. Adam Langley said, don't turn it on. Oh, I know. Adam Langley, well. <laughs> he and Steve don't get along <laughs> so good. It is not getting any better as time yeah. goes on. And uh, this is Larry Seltzer's article. Uh, 
in which he defends it. It's a really, it's a, it was a great back and forth. We had a lot of fun. And Larry mentioned you. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't know if the right answer has ever been deduced. Okay, so the right answer, we're getting there. The right answer is called stapling. Stapling has the server that is offering the certificate getting a fresh response from an OCSP server or like the certificate authority and stapling it like, you know, stapling two things together. That's the word stapling the the a short term affirmation to the certificate it's issuing. The problem is we still don't have the infrastructure for that. I mean, again, things things need to to change in order to or evolve further. So people recognize it's a problem. And uh, and Heartbleed showed that it would be really nice if we were actually <laughs> able to to revoke all of the certificates on the internet at once that that may have been exfiltrated due to a an old vulnerability that we don't know that we don't know that no one exploited. You're listening to Security Now, Steve Gibson in studio, and we're going through the uh, all the uh, fun fun and games of 2014. <laughs> Okay, so we talked at the beginning of the year about the backdoor found in the routers yep. over Christmas and New Year's. Um, at Toward the end of April, it turns out it was still in the firmware. Nobody fixed it. Well, they'd, they'd, then didn't really, well, okay, they locked the front door yeah. or the back door. Yeah. But with a key that wasn't very strong. <laughs> so what happened, it turns out, that somebody looked through the code and realized that the same that's that same host string thing was still there and the port was still open being opened but you had to first receive a like a knock at the back door you had to send a knock packet an ethernet packet containing a certain stuff yeah and so the router would see that yeah. and go, oh, and oh. Un- unlock the let back door. Let me let door. you in. Exactly. <laughs> now, that would be a concern, except that it's an Ethernet packet, not an IP packet, which means it has to be on the LAN. That's good. Yes, because that means it's, it's, it's constrained to your cable. It's not prov- routable. It's not routable. It's, so it would be within your cable provider. Now, the, there's a vulnerability because on a on a cable um, topology, everybody's your on, neighbors could knock. Yes, you're exactly, and that's so that's still in the routers. But they'd have to be your neighbors. They would have to be on your local segment yeah. um, within the same uh, yeah. routing, uh, you know, wow. Ethernet routing space. And you, we mentioned, and I see in your notes, it was Sircom that made oh, the okay. chipset or whatever that that all these different companies used. So right. it was. If you had the CIRCOM components, you'd be vulnerable. Yep. Bad USB. Oh, boy. <laughs> bad you know, USB. Now, one... before bad USB happened, there was a guy who was a well-known security guy. I can't remember what his – was he at Black Hat? or Who said, I had a virus jump the air gap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, everybody said, come on. You can't – nothing would do that. He couldn't understand how this virus – had jumped the air he gap. He, he, he couldn't get rid of it. It kept coming back. He would erase everything, format the drive. Right. And it would still jump into his BIOS or something. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah, he was thinking it was his BIOS was being infected. Yeah. And the problem is 
all bioses are so different that you couldn't have a universal bios right. virus. Right. It'd be like a Windows virus infecting a Mac. Right. It yeah. can't. They're too different. Yeah. Okay. Just very different DNA. So bad USB freaked out people, I think, disproportionately. Um, this was at Black Hat. Yeah. In August. And what, 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 the, what the presenters at Black Hat demonstrated was that a manufacturer of the core of many thumb drives, so, so, so many different manufacturers of thumb drives buy from the same outfit. That BIOS of the BIOS, the firmware of the USB controller was rewritable. It was not on a ROM, a right. read-only memory. It Correct. wasn't even on a programmable read-only memory. It was on an EEPROM, an electronically erasable. And remotely accessible. <laughs> oh, boy. So so you could you could give some commands that were kind of off the book through the USB port and send it new firmware. <laughs> Here, USB. Be different. And by the way, not just thumb drives, but anything connected Be by a, a keystroke USB. logger. Yeah. Be a, you know, uh, like partition yourself off and have malware in a hidden region which will be injected wow. into the computer or pretend to be a keyboard and type type something of our design. So could it, it could be anything that used this firmware, but so it could be an, an iPod or it could be a hard drive or a thumb drive or even a keyboard if there's enough memory. Yeah. Um, but you say it's not it – was it was overblown. Um it, it was it was nice that we knew about it. Yeah, but kind of shocking that it was possible. Yeah, and I don't believe. Um, I don't remember now whether normal driver driver uh, software in the computer was able to issue the special codes you might needed. Need some special software, so it couldn't be a worm. It right. couldn't jump around by itself. Right. You could deliberately, you know, bad guys who got access, physical access to the thumb drive could reprogram it and make it be bad USB. Right. But you, your thumb drive couldn't get infected by being plugged into a machine because it, it, didn't, malware ha on it. didn't have access to right, it. Right, right, right. So it hasn't, in fact, been a big issue. Yeah. I, I don't I think just, anybody's fixed it. It's not like. No, every, I mean, everybody still has those thumb yeah, drives. Yeah. Yeah, but but so so it scared a lot of people. It was you know, and we we looked at it closely to kind of to gauge how big the problem was, and it was like, okay, well, nice to know, but it's <laughs> bad. You probably not going to get you uh, certificates. This Google did a few things this year to kind of, in their opinion, push forward security. You know, and and I love the idea I, because what Google is seeing, and they're not wrong, is. No one fixes security right. until the house is burning down. Right. We're always waiting to the last minute. So they've used Chrome as a way of kind of pushing forward HTTPS everywhere, uh, the abandonment of the bad SHA-1 hash. Yes, well, and so what was controversial about that was that it was already – there was, a, there was a, a scheduled sunset for the use of SHA-1 put in place by Microsoft – who also has substantial market power. With Internet Explorer, yeah. 2017. That's when it was okay. going to happen. Two years. 2017. Um, and Google decided, no. Let's do it now. Not, <laughs> <laughs> Let's do Let's it, do it now. now. 
Uh, why wait? Yeah. Well, there's lots of reasons it turns out to wait. Because people have other things to do. They have schedules and so forth. So This is something that's going to we're going to start seeing soon, like in February, I think. Or yeah. Your browser will see a certificate that uses this broken uh, hash technology. Okay, it's not, though. And that's why it's controversial. Oh, that's right. It's not broken. It's, it's not just broken. Potentially... It's Computers are going to get so fast, they'll be able to, de to, to de decrypt it. Not even that. Not even that. Not even that. There is nothing wrong with waiting till 2017. Microsoft wasn't wrong. That's what upset everybody. Yeah. Was that there's no hurry. It's and not an existing problem. Correct. It's not. It's kind of planning for the future when computers do become fast enough. Yes. And so, and that, that that's why it was controversial, was Google said, we're going to start penalizing websites in 2015 two years early if they still have an SHA-1 if their if their certificate is signed using SHA-1 and the penalty would be what in chrome you'd start seeing scary things and they have 60% market share so that's a that's bad it hasn't happened yet though it hasn't happened yet um GRC's certificate Mine yeah. is signed with SHA-1. So when we start seeing warnings... No. No? Because I have it expiring uh, on midnight okay. of December 31st, okay. 2016. Oh. And so th th this, is, this is why it's so confusing, is it's Google is going to start scaring people if the certificate would be... If it would be... Um, so they're valid in 2017. They're checking the expiration date. Yes, and saying, okay, you use SHA one, and you, uh, and it, if you don't change to, it, yeah, it would be valid in 2017. Did you change your expiration date? Can you do that on a certificate? You just no. I have friends at Digicert. Ah, you got new ones. <laughs> got it. I rekeyed so that I was I was expiring. Why didn't you just get a better? Why did you just abandon SHA one at that ah, point? Perfect. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we're a good team. Why didn't you do that, Steve? <laughs> Tell me. It's because uh, there are still systems out there that only uh, know SHA-1. Okay. They cannot handle, and it happens that XP are among them. And there's still a huge number of XP machines now. So if people went to GRC and you had deprecated SHA-1 and they went there, what would they see? The, this site is... No, it won't come up. It wouldn't load. You can't load. Now... If now many sites only switch you to secure when you log in, right? GRC is uh, HSTS. It's it's H, uh, no, uh, HTTP everywhere. everywhere. So you can no longer use GRC without being secure. Mm. So if I had switched to SHA two, you would have left out a lot of people. They couldn't get to GRC at all. Wow! And so what this does is this allows me to continue offering. GRC to everyone for the next two years until the end, all the way through 2016, without generating any warnings, even from Chrome. And and those people who are on XP will be getting warnings from everyone else. But as a result, your grade at SSL Labs is now a C, my I friend. Know, I was A+. Plus. <laughs> it, was, it was brief. It was brief. So... This is to me a little controversial. You've you've mentioned Qualsys's uh, test, and we we've talked about it a lot. I love it, and, and you and love it. Ivan is a great guy. He's doing but a really good thing. One of the things Ivan did 
at some point was say, well, if you're using SHA-1, I'm going to downgrade you. Yeah. And that's that's is that why you've got to see? Oh, it's bad. There's all kinds of things he doesn't like. <laughs> There's now. other things you, can you do. Click on the link and get. The There's details. other things you do. Oh, yeah, he's like. Oh, you're good on certificate and protocol support, I mean, but uh, yeah, look at that. I'm like I'm hundreds and nineties everywhere. You're that vulnerable to, to poodle. <laughs> that caps you at a C. You can't get better than a C. No. You use the SHA one. That's Actually, a weak the, signature. It's the re poodle that we'll be getting to in a minute. Uh-huh. It's because I still offer SSL. 3.0, right? which is now no-no. No-no. And and by the way, Steve knows what to do, and he's chosen to do this for good reason, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You accept RC4, and uh, but otherwise you're okay. <laughs> Bad man. All right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I need to reboot the server because I am going to turn off I'm going to turn off RC4 because okay. we don't need that anymore, and yeah. I'll turn off SSL3. Okay. And I just haven't gotten and then, it. But then you'll be capped at a C anyway because you still support SHA1. Won't you? I don't know. No, I think I can get a B. <laughs> He'll give me a B. Okay. Because, but I don't get my A plus anymore. So Ivan and Google are punishing people who use this old. Yeah. But uh, let's reiterate. It's not cracked. It's not broken. It, there's nothing. I wouldn't be using it if there was anything wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's And, and, and Google isn't. I mean, so what Google is doing, Microsoft was, as of 2017, going to deprecate that certificate. They would no longer accept them after 2017. So what Google is doing is saying, starting in a few months, if the certificate could be used in 2017, we're going to... We're going to punish you now. We haven't seen yet what that will look like. They no. didn't, and they didn't say what And, it and they're like. saying that it'll, it'll do something in the user experience. Yeah. There'll be something that gives you... It could you, be something minor. could, could be an be. unlocked padlock. Just like, you know, upside down question mark yeah, or something. We're yeah, not sure we about this. We don't know what's okay. going on. Maybe a new color. And it, it's, you know? it, I, think, I seem to remember it's like soon. It's like February or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're still in the Q3. We've got to keep moving here. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, so... Um, Home Depot. Home Depot. Seventy million. No big deal. Big problem. People already they already had my credit card from Target. Oh no, so. I'm sorry, fifty six million. Oh, Home that's Depot. all. Okay. Yeah. Although it actually affected a lot more people that, that I don't know why that I that I know they were like, oh my god, my my card's been hacked. Yeah. In fact, would the bank automatically send you a new card, or do you have to somehow do something about it? Probably be prudent to check. I don't know what they did. There's no like everyone. Sometimes the my people created- friend found a, a, a charge on his card yeah. that was not his yeah. and called the bank and they said, oh, yeah, we've been getting a lot of calls. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll bet you. When they say, oh, hey, did you shop at Home Depot in the last three months? Oh. Okay, Shell Shock. Another Shell Shock. great name because, again, it's about the name. Yeah. Bad USB, Poodle. Although poodle. Bash Door is not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> Bash Door is pretty good. So uh, Shell Shock turned out to be a... A mistake, also very old, that had been there from in the Bash interpreter wow. for like ever. Wow. Where, where it would, when you invoked Bash, it would run through the environment variables that were in the system and execute commands. And it turns out that services running on Unix, Linux would sometimes transfer data from the from the query to the environment right and so so this it was very clever because that meant that you could you could invoke the service remotely yeah 
it would accept the connection yeah. and then like move some of the headers from right. a query into the environment. It's for convenience for programmers and it's they can use this kind so of temp variable. That way. Yeah. 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 So, but then they would later, they, you know, for their own purposes, they would use Bash for some of their own work. So by them, by the service invoking Bash, Bash would then go look and parse the environment and find the variables. And so if the hacker had put comm Bash commands in the headers, they would end up getting executed. Wow. Shell shock. Yeah. And there are now worms crawling around the internet using this. Uh, worms so were developed. Apple has Bash. Uh, all Linux has Bash. bash. Did, were, were they updated by these by Linux and uh, you know did yeah. Ubuntu update it's up, and yeah, Apple yeah, yeah. updated their Bash and yeah so so that the, the response was what, we're not sure why anyone is parsing commands in the environment uh, <laughs> nobody it. ever wanted to do to do well that. I think I, I'm guessing but I, I, there it, it does happen in Perl too where uh, you'll execute something and the return statement is stored silently in a in a temp variable that is used a, a exclamation mark or something that you can reuse. There's nothing Perl doesn't do actually. Yeah, it's and Bash does back. that too for convenience. So you execute a command and you don't have to have an explicit return. You're just going to have in some temp variable stored in the environment the return. Right, and then you can use that in your continued code. But now we can see the problem. Yeah, it all happens because this stuff was written before ubiquitous internet. Exactly. Back once upon a time. Where there, you, there was you and your and your console, right. it would have been a handy feature. And this is the sort of thing that Unix hacks have right. always like you know worked around is that sort of policy. But exactly that. Then then we add servers, and no one remembers that Bash is going to parse things. Right. I mean, and so and it also really you could argue that it required to know that that was a problem. Several different knowledge domains, right. you know. <laughs> In a, like an obscure feature nobody even knew Bash right. had. Or even thought about how it might be misused, yeah, really, exactly. frankly. Yeah. Uh, somebody's saying it does have to go through CGI. Ah, okay. So, so a, that's a little so bit of a protection. So a CGI interpreter. Yeah. What, what, You'd have to be running to a, web, a web server and, yeah. and so forth. So, But there are botnets out there. Then by this, yeah. we have Poodle. Another great name. <laughs> okay, this is an acronym. I didn't know that. Yes. What does it stand for? Uh, padding Oracle on Download Legacy Encryption. Okay, now that's that's hard. That, this is one where they had the P. Sounds like a retronym. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They had the P. Okay, what can we come up with? Right. It's like P. Padding. We got padding. And an Oracle. That's a common But they don't mean term. Oracle, the database company. No. They mean like no. a... A cryptographic a, Oracle. A Oracle. Right. Okay. Where, where you do something and it, it, it gives you a response. It, it replies okay. to you. So this was in October, only a few months ago. Everyone's still remi re remembering that. And that was th this is the first bite of the poodle. There were two bites of the poodle. Right. The poodle rebit. Um, so, and, and the problem with poodle was, was that we knew that there was a problem with, with probing SSL. And everyone assumed that by moving to TLS, we would be safe. But the reason... Uh, there's a there's a downgrade attack. Is that so? So we know the way SSL works is the client says, "Here's the list of things that uh, the list of ciphers and protocols that I know." Hands that to the server. Server looks through them, and in its own 
prioritize list from better from from best to least good it chooses the most secure one that it knows that the client also knows and it says okay let's use this well it turns out that if a hacker got into the conversation and eliminated the TLS the TLS offerings the, from the client. The secure choices. The secu- well, the TLS secure ones. Right. So, that it, so what the server would only see is SSL3. Right. So then the server would go, well, wow. That's all you talk. Dumb I haven't client. Seen, you haven't seen anybody like that in a while, okay, but okay. Fine. So then they, so, so what the client would see so back. Instead, instead of using publicly crypto, let's use pig Latin. <laughs> and uh, at least you understand that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the server thinks the client's dumb. Yeah. The client sees the server offering SSL3. The client thinks the server's dumb. Okay. Because <laughs> and they, they think three SSL3 is the best they can do. So, so, so it does require kind of a man in the middle. It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you have to spoof that. Yeah. Um, now we have got, we, we've done a downgrade, what's called a protocol downgrade, where rather than having the protocol we could have, the, the, the hacker has pushed us back down to one that's vulnerable. Now we can use a well-known attack right. where you, you send multiple probes in and you can, over the course of about 16,000 queries, you can start guessing bites from cookies. And that's with, a lot of queries. It's a lot of queries. That's why it's like, ah. So you still, you're poodle vulnerable. You yes. still support SSL3. Well, actually... Uh, yes, I support, I support I support SSL three. And is that for XP users as well? It's Who, not actually. Who's that had, dumb? No, it's it's just I haven't rebooted the server. Oh, if you reboot, it'll go away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then I and then I and go, then you'll at least pass the poodle then, test. Then I get a B. All right. Instead of a C. <laughs> Can you reboot from here? I don't like to reboot. I don't blame you. No, because it's you know it stays up for like years. At you a time. like that uptime for you? And, and in fact, days. I reboot so infrequently that I like to go there. Just because if any smoke comes out of right. something, I mean, it's like, oh, I don't know if it's going to, you That's know. why you're not doing it from here. That's you why could I'm, do it from here. But. Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I I did VPN in from here Yeah. because uh, I wanted to see. Uh, by the way, I forgot to say that the docs are not yet online because um, I've never VPNed into my Windows 2008 in I, the two years that I've so, had And it. it didn't work? or Well, I just never set it up. Oh. I, I didn't have remote file sharing. I remember you coming to Toronto and using the smallest computer I have ever seen in my life. The the, 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 the uh, libretto? It was, it was a libretto, Toshiba libretto. Yeah. And you, were, and you were VPing ending <laughs> into your... This is the strangest thing I've ever uh, seen. Do you still have that? Yeah. Yeah, of course you do. I do. Is it in the freezing? Uh, no, that's the one that runs the... Uh, the Kindle on my stair climber oh, is the little libretto. Good, so good it's use for that. Good, good use for yeah. it, yeah. So oh, you must have excellent eyes. That's we, all I can say. <laughs> no, no, no. I have a huge screen oh, mounted plugged on, into the on a, libretto. Yeah, it's like oh. look at all the screens you have. Nice. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and a, and 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 a clicker strapped to the handles. Oh, yeah. So I'm able to do. It's like the, a teleprompter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so so Poodle gets resolved by turning off SSL three, and which, which is, nobody uses. It would be harmless to do that. Right? Even XP. Has okay. TLS 1.0. Okay. So I'm going to reboot any day now. Yeah. When yeah. I get home. Yeah. Um, that gets resolved. Then along came, comes Reagan. Oh, boy. In, now, do we still don't know how the, the, the official pronunciation. Symantec named it. Um, well, you first thought it was Regin because it was registry in, it used the install. registry. Yeah. Yes. But, I, but I, there's a video of 
a Some Norse per, a Norseman oh. saying Regan. Because he's the king of the Norse it got, or something? Yeah. Some historic character. Yeah. All right. Regan. Regan. You know it's Regan. Sort of like the president. And it was one of these, it was fascinating. You actually were quite impressed by the technology. It was yeah. one of these probably state-sponsored attacks. Yeah. And this, this is one that we didn't, we're, we're pretty sure this is Russian in origin. Oh, really? Because I thought at the time we decided it was U.S. or, no, or it's Britain. Be, no, it's because Western countries are where it's been found. Uh, so it's it's the Ruskies that are and And this is, is this the one that got into things like airline reservation terminals and, and hotels? Hoped, yes. And like je, je, uh, pulling metadata about what people's movements right. and where they were staying. Right. And like then, you know, determining like... Who was talking to whom? And it was really impressive because it had a loader. Four-stage that- loader. Remember, it like came in and looked around, and then it said, okay, coast is clear, and it brought <laughs> Come it on in. Second stage. And it would decrypt these. These and, were all encrypted was, modules. Was, they were all successively encrypted. Wow. And what the thing that was disturbing was we found out in retrospect that the antivirus companies had known something, something for a couple years and hadn't blown the whistle because right. it's like almost like they were complicit. Uh, they weren't sure whose side it was on. Right. So they didn't want to blow it if it was on their own local government's side. So they just kept quiet until additional information came to light, as finally did. So uh, now we think it's... We think it's Russian. Russian. Yeah. And and this, I mean, this is the first clear evidence we have of the same kind of competence of deep espionage grade malware yeah. that um that we presume the US has and so the east does too and then finally the poodle bit again yes um <laughs> it turns out that the fix for the for a poodle was turning off ssl3 and so everyone ran around and and turned it off right. and except me rebooted their servers right i'll do that you've soon. turned it off but not rebooted exactly All right. that um so it but the the vulnerable stack was in the front end appliances, the load balancing appliances of ten percent of the internet. So um, someone thought to scan those, uh. and it was there. So uh, I think it was F five uh, was one of, is one of the companies, and there's a different one I can't remember. Is it much concern though? It. it sounds like it's a lot of work to get kind of a little bit of information. Um. It's a lot of work yeah. to get a little bit of information. Yeah. And boy, some of these cookies are just crazy big now. Yeah, I don't know. What, so what? That's, that's you got my why cookies. I'm not in a hurry to reboot. Yeah. Well, but, and besides, I don't even rely on it. Right. Um, my own e-commerce system doesn't store anything valuable in cookies. Right. I, I, right. Encrypt, I encrypt separately. So it's actually, for GRC, it's not a problem, except I get a C. Is the biggest story of the year the Sony hack? I think it has to be. With Despite all of this, we've just gone through the whole year, and it was an amazing year. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. Yeah. but and, and sometimes you feel like, well, it shouldn't be the last thing that happened in the year. That's just the one we remember best. And yet, I have to say. Oh, if this happened in January. It would still be yes. a big, I big think story. My, my question is, what effect will this have for IT? We know what effect Snowden's revelations have had for the availability of security. This last year, we have to thank Edward for all of this, you know, knee-jerk 
I mean, welcome right. reaction. Right. And so you have to imagine that there are boardrooms all over the country where the CEO is saying to the CIO, is this what you've been telling me we're vulnerable yeah. to? Yeah. I don't want that to happen. I don't yeah. want my emails getting yeah. out. And then the CIO says, all I need Ooh. is money. Just I need yeah. budget and time. I got to hire some guys and we'll we'll bolt things down. And oh, by the way, you may not be able to VPN in from your yacht in the Mediterranean <laughs> without, you know, using this key, you know, this dongle that I keep trying to get you to use, but you say it's too much work. We immediately started talking about uh, implementing AppLocker here. Yeah. For that very reason. Yeah, in fact, when I when I go to Windows 7, I'm going to fire up AppLocker yeah. and go to a experiment with the feasibility of a whitelisting system. See, that's the issue is a lot of stuff breaks. Yes. Stuff unexpectedly breaks. Yes. It's the same thing with address memory uh, randomization. ASLR. Yeah. Address-based layout randomization. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there were, there are some things you can do, and right. but they break unpredictably. And de- break. Uh, data execution prevention. Same that's, thing. That's why, at, you know, it's in there, but Microsoft only has it turned on for not their on, stuff. Not on by default. No. Yeah. Because it's breaking things. No. And, and remember, too, like, you you were never a fan of um, of NoScript because it kept popping things up saying... Too annoying. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah. You know, I'm, you're trying to execute scripts. Yeah. Are you sure? Right. And, and we were always annoyed by Zone Alarm. You know, right. whenever you installed something, it would you get right. orange dialogues well, that are saying, well, it's like, okay. We fine. have some concern about AppLocker, but... It won't be implemented company-wide. It will only be implemented on, on certain computers because we can't implement it company-wide. Yeah. So this this is still a very hard problem to solve. Yeah. And I frankly still think that if somebody is determined to hack you personally, if it's a spear phishing style attack against you, it's going to be very hard. To yeah. Do. So minimizing the attack surface right. is always worthwhile. And, and in the same way that we switched firewalls, from blocking things that we knew were bad to permitting things that we trust, I really think we're going to end. This is where we're going. We're right. going to end up whitelisting. We're going to end up with an with an operating system where it learns the things that you permit it to run, and apps are going to be signed, and signatures are going to be checked, and we'll be permitting things. I mean. Everyone will feel more comfortable if we do it that way. And yet I have to say, based on everything that happened this year, you also I feel like it's also hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said to you, I couldn't help I couldn't fix Sony. Yeah. I mean I couldn't prevent that. You yeah. can, as you said, there I mean with, with something that size, that many people who are gonna click on links, no matter how many times you warn them not to, it's like, oh, it's just a little link. The only way really to be secure is to get offline. Yeah? Camping. Camping. Yeah. <laughs> With no tall trees nearby. <laughs> you know, the uh, use of drones in national parks, which is forbidden, has been going up, uh, uh, you know, logarithmically. They're, they're, they're fun. Geometrically. They're fun. Everywhere drones. I was talking to my hairdresser. She said, yeah, we were at a campsite. And, camp- <laughs> and this thing went, Bzzz. she thought it was a UFO. <laughs> Pauses. Bzzz. And I said, oh, yeah, that's a drone. No kidding. Yeah, it's everywhere. Have you seen the Bebop? Yeah, I'm buying. I want to buy one. That's but, the one. Yeah, but it's not out yet. Or, I know. Yeah, it's, I was going to get one for Henry for Christmas job. so he could spy beautiful, on the sorority. Wide angle lens, and then they in software. Isn't that clever? It's brilliant. This is from the Parrot AR Parrot folks. Guys. It's their newest version. Yep. And it, the camera is super wide angle. It's fixed, so you doesn't so you, you doesn't pivot or point. Right. 
it gets everything. Yes. And then it picks a section and super high resolution. It. Yeah. And then and so it, it it does barrel distortion correction and yep. We talk a lot about drones on this show. Father Robert has a, a cheap drone that he's got like oh, eighty of in the basement, I think. And yeah, this is this has become the drone network. Yeah. Steve Gibson is the security guru, and this has been a great year for you. Um, we noticed. I've been. I've been looking. I just kind of checked download trends. I don't pay too much attention to downloads, but your show went up twenty percent last year. Went up twenty percent this year. There is huge interest in the topics we cover, and I suspect that twenty fifteen will bring even more of interest. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an interest. We're in we live in interesting times. Yeah. You can find Steve at grc.com. That's where Spinrite. We didn't talk about Spinrite. No, no plug right. for Spinrite today. You don't have an email or anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's Steve's bread got, and butter, so go buy it. Everybody knows about everybody it. Everybody should know about it. It's the best hard drive maintenance utility. You must have a copy if you don't. Go to grc.com and buy it. Everything else there is free, including the feedback form where if you have questions, we'll be answering probably Next week, security uh, allowing. That's grc.com slash feedback. Steve also has 16 kilobit audio versions of the show there. And handwritten transcriptions by an actual human being. Elaine Ferris. Yep. And uh, so if you'd like to read along, and this would be a good one to have the transcript of, I think. Um, that's all there at grc.com. Here at twit.tv slash sn, we have audio and video, higher quality audio and full uh, HD video if you'd like. Um, at twit.tv slash sn you can also subscribe to the audio or the video on any podcast client <laughs> uh itunes and all of the above plus we have our great apps thanks to our third-party developers uh on all the platforms including roku which would be a great way to watch uh the show thank you steve it's been a great year i'm so glad to have you in studio it's so much fun we're gonna have fun tomorrow tomorrow don't forget 3 a.m pacific 6 a.m eastern time 1100 utc we begin with uh, the ball drop, midnight as New Zealand ends New Zealand 2015. New one. Zealand's first. Is that 4 a.m.? 3 a.m. Our time? So 3. I come in at 2.30. Woo, baby. And uh, and then go on through the day for 24 hours. There's 27 time zones. And we in, we, only, we are very close to having somebody from every time zone. Uh, just, just a few missing. If you're in the Pacific Islands, twit.tv slash NYE. Let us know so we can get you via Skype. And we'll be saying Happy New Year all the way across. We're doing it to raise money for UNICEF. We're going to have musical performances. All, many of our hosts, almost Breakfast all of our hosts, me at six a.m. will be here. Steve likes to come in early. Thank God, so I'm not all alone. <laughs> Those first three hours are tough, uh, but we've planned a lot. In fact, I don't know if you noticed, but we've got uh, sawhorses out on the street. We're taking over the street. Wow! Going to have a um, carnival out there. Neat. Crazy. Neat. Crazy. So I hope you'll uh, stop by tomorrow for that and of course next week and every Tuesday 1 p.m. Pacific 4 p.m. Eastern Time 2100 UTC that's when we record Security Now Steve Gibson Happy New Year we'll see you next year thanks buddy